Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with Alex Street. Alex is a storytelling coach and he and I connected in a mastermind and I love the work that he does. There's so many things that we do complement each other and I love how he speaks, what he says, the message, and how he's able to pull stories out of people. So Alex is a story-focused communication coach, helping you share your story and connect with your audience. He has been a youth worker, actor, public speaker for two decades. His specialized blend of storytelling, captivating content, and a powerful performance has set him apart as a speaker and a coach for audiences of all kinds. Alex is the host of the Fearless Speakers Academy and the Make Speaking Magical video course. He has a master's in theological studies, lives near Toronto, Ontario as a a husband of 15 years, and he's a dad to three Gen Z kids. This is a great conversation, and I know you're going to get so much value out of it. Welcome to the show, Alex. It's so good to have you here. It is such a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Marsha. My pleasure. I have a few questions for you so that people can get to know a little bit more about you. And I know this answer, but not everybody does. Where are you from? I am just a little north of Toronto, Ontario, born and raised on this playground is where I spent most of my days. That's awesome. And uh, yeah. Another Canadian. I I, uh-huh. I I had, I interviewed somebody last week from Australia. So it's kind of neat for me to actually get to interview another Canadian. Well, even an uh, up the street Australians Canadian. are basically Canadians just with a funny accent. That's, that's I what I realized the accent. as well. <laughs> I love the accent. It's like one of my favorites in the world. Okay. So I know you're a reader, but what I want to know is what has been a very impactful book for you? I, as, as you were asking that question, I just turned my head to look at my bookshelf because I kind of figured where it was going. So, um, there's, there's definitely a few of them. One of the ones that I just kept going back to kind of around my identity, it was called Abba's child and really, uh, by Brennan Manning. And uh, I mean, I used to work in a church, and so that was kind of required reading sometimes. And it was—it's uh, really just about what's your identity and where do you see, uh, where do you see God showing up around the world in your life in the most mm-hmm. unexpected ways. Um, and then I'd say more recently has been a book called "How to Be Here" uh, by Rob Bell, and kind of the same. I um, don't have that one, but that one popped up on my Amazon um, yeah. back in September when yeah. we launched our second book. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Who is that? And I started to look at it. And I'm like, oh, that looks really good. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. He takes you through a story of losing his memory or like losing his 
his mind, basically, I don't know, some sort of head injury. And then just all that he could focus on was right now in the present moment and mm-hmm. what that's taught him about, you know, even now when he's able to think about other times, how do you, how do you be here? And that's just ab- absolutely as an Enneagram seven, that's been the struggle of my life is how do I be here, not future thinking. So, so those <laughs> ones kind of independently have had a massive impact on who I am and then any other business book and all kind of, you know, strategic books come out after that. But that's awesome. I will definitely have to look that one up. Good. I um, Do you have a mantra or a quote or something that grounds you or really says who you are? Uh, yeah, I think you're going to love this. It's that stories change the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely love this. Anybody who's listening <laughs> to this is already like, Ooh, who is this? <laughs> we, you and I connected very much on stories. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was, lo- I've been looking forward to this podcast because I know that there's a lot of similar languaging and similar things that we talk about and how important our stories are. Yeah. 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 So we'll get into that. I'm sure that's where the, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to explain the mantra there. That's just, it's all good. I need to remind myself of constantly. They do change the world. They were, the stories are what connect us. They connect us to, to people, especially when we are afraid of being connected. That's what we connect with. Um, What lights you up? What is something that drives you to keep going? Oh goodness. It's, it's my five. So I I've been married for 15 years and have three kids, uh, Mm. 14, 11 and eight. And, you know, we were tight before and we love, you know, I, I always think of like road trips. Like we love to cram in the car and go on a 20 hour road trip. Like that's, we just loved that. And then pandemic hit and we're like, ah, okay, well, I guess (laughs) our home is our car. Like this is what we got to do. And We've just made, we just try to find fun so much and listen and play and, and create and, and just hang out together. Like, mm. that's just it. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's how do you make my family a, a unique answer? And I, maybe I don't have to, they just are. Mm-mm, you don't have to. It's interesting. I can already hear it in your languaging and I'm going to jump ahead in a sense, but I just, somebody said to me about, um, you're going to think this is a fun example. But the, I listened to your languaging about the pandemic and how it's had, had you all home together. And it just sounds like it amplifies more of what was already there. And in this sense right now that things were good, this just amplifies what is good mm-hmm. and what is continuing. Whereas I, I do think this time has been almost an amplification of what's not working. Yeah for some. And I had somebody's uh, mom reach out to me last week, beautiful soul. And she was stressed because she has struggled with mental health. And so she decided to take the elf joking, not joking, but like the elf, the, you know, and she masked it and put it in the box and said that he was in quarantine until December 20th. She goes, cause I can't cope. And I'm like, I think that's brilliant. Like, I think it's hilarious, but <laughs> she got blasted by so many people saying that you're taking the fun out of the most traumatic year the kids have ever had. And I thought, now, isn't that interesting with languaging yeah. that if we call yeah. this the most traumatic year, it is. Mm-hmm. But yep. if we can, because it, it's amplifying what's already there. So we like this, it's so brilliant. Yes, because it was what, March, April, it was towards the end of April. Kids were home every day. We're doing homeschooling, trying to adjust, figure out what that is while the teachers are doing it as well. Everybody's exactly. broken in the system. We don't know what what's yep. what. And, no. and I, 
anytime that I would get on the call with somebody, how are you doing? And I would say, yeah, no, everything's good. It's just, it's hard having the kids at home. My wife and I work from home anyways. So it's that's yeah. not a big adjustment, but it's an adjustment to constantly be interrupted. And then something shifted and I started to say, wait a second, <laughs> this is what I've been dreaming of. Like, this is what I want. Every time we get back from a vac- one of those vacations, I go and I drop them off at school. I'm like, this oh. isn't how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be together. And now we are together and I'm saying it's hard. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that shifted, it shifted the whole kind of environment mm-hmm. of our place. And to go even further than that, it's right because what you say, the language you use is the story that then gets created. And that's what I'm kind of thinking about is what kind of story do I want our kids to tell mm-hmm. about their entire life, but specifically about this year or however long it's going to be. and yeah, I don't want them to say to talk about the struggle it was or the disappointment. The most traumatic and, thing they've ever lived through. Like it's, yeah. we all know there's challenges in in all of our lives that are coming, mm-hmm. and I I I don't wish trauma on any of our kids, but it's going to happen. They're going to have mm-hmm. challenges, so the languaging is really important. It is interesting, and then I you also have to respect that my hard is not your hard. No. So, so what that is there, there is a different story that, and it, again, it's to go to the story, your story, the story that, that the trauma that you have experienced in your home, you know, any given person during this time um, is different than what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And I have to respect that and see that. And this is how we've approached it and how we had to change our language along the way very intentionally to mm-hmm. that point. I just think you're right on with that, Marsha. It's, it's, it's very, really very, in, it's very intentional. And it is, I just found it very, very interesting. And it's, uh-huh. it stirs up so much and it always makes me go back to stories. So as this person said, so you're saying that if, if it's important to me to do the decorative thing every day with the elf, that it's not important to someone else. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like if you yeah. want to do it, do it, but don't, don't shame someone else for not doing it. Like it's, yeah. do whatever you want. I don't care. Actually, I actually don't care. I, <laughs> there's a lot of meaning behind this. You're probably going, why is she talking about this elf? But there is a lot of meaning behind it. I promise. It makes me think of it. Oh, so stories. Is there an elf with its arms missing on your book I know, shelf? right? Like, I know. Oh my God. All I can say, I promise you that had my kids grown up during that elf time, they would have been sadly disappointed. Oh, yep. There we go. Not, not in our home. Tell you that much. No way. This wouldn't have happened. And it would have been like, oh, look, there's the elf on the table. Oh, look, there he is on the cupboard. Like but there's, that's the thing, right? There's other ways. It doesn't have to be that way. And, and there's other ways to create that kind of environment and that kind of story. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the best thing is when we can empower each other to see like, yeah, okay. So what do you do in your own? Mm-hmm. And that's it's all the best good. Stuff, so, yeah. So you are all about stories and I mm-hmm. love like story focused communication coach. Tell me what does that mean to you? Yeah. So I, we can go as far back as you want to on this. I'm a performer at mm-hmm. heart. Absolutely. My mom was an actress. Uh, my dad was a photographer. So he told stories through film. My mom told stories on stage. Oh, wow. Um, my brother now is a screenwriter. So it's just, we, we got in something you. from them. It's in us. That's <laughs> right. You. So uh, I, I just remember my mom got me on stage in, in second grade in the school pantomime that she was directing and, and just threw me on stage. She's like, you're going to wear an outfit. You're going to be a teddy bear. I don't know. And 
something sparked, something happened. So mm-hmm. I've just, I've been a performer all my life, figured I was going to be an actor, took a left turn to become a youth pastor. And through that got weekly opportunities to speak on stage and create events and all kinds of stuff to create moments for, um, mm-hmm. for people and, and also pull out from people, you know, what's your story, where are you at and how are you a part of a much bigger story? Mm-hmm. Um, and through all of those opportunities, now I find myself out of that world and in a whole different one, trying to figure out how do I use this thing that comes easily to me to help other people. And if I've always been communicating, always been performing, well, not everyone has, and people need a lot of help with that on how to show up, mm-hmm. just having the confidence and the clarity to show up with a message and so as I'm helping people with that, now I'm realizing that, oh yeah, and story is the thing that I've always seen mm-hmm. and always been able to translate and mm-hmm. pull out of people. So story-focused communication coach is simply where I'm going to help you show up and we're going to use your story to empower you to do that. I, I love all of that. I love all of it. So why, what are your thoughts on why people hide that part of themselves, their story that they hide. And here's the thing. we I completely agree with you. I think the more you can connect to your story, the more you can connect to your people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So if you're running a business of some kind, and uh, especially if you're some sort of like entrepreneur, online coach, like goodness yeah. gracious, <laughs> if, if you don't know, mm-hmm. if you're not sharing your story or you're, you don't know how to, or- Or you're hiding sake, or you're preventing it you or- f- if you are saying, I don't have a good story, like hear mm-hmm. this, that is a hot load of crap. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> that it is. is. That is the amount of people that say, I don't know if I have a good story. And then we get into it mm-hmm. and we're in tears mm-hmm. because it's so it's moving. Oh my goodness. And so um, for me, absolutely. If you're a business owner of some kind, and, and then then what your story does, I always say, you know, people find themselves in who you were Mm -hmm. back here. You talk about who you were and how I grew up and what I believed and that sort of thing. People will find themselves in who you were Mm -hmm. and aspire to be who you are. Oh, that's beautiful. And then there's something that happened along the way to make that shift. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the the key storytelling point that Mm -hmm. we get to share and we get to talk about, you know, that person that showed up that empowered you or that, that moment that, that you were struck with reality, that, that, um, that conversation that you had with yourself in the mirror um, after that terrible moment, you know, those uh, what happened moments mm-hmm. that make us who we are. That's where we get captivated as an audience. But um, ultimately you got, we use our story to, to, to connect with the people who are like us and find themselves in who we were. Absolutely. So then what were some of your, what happened moments that made you yeah. who you are? <laughs> Such a good question. Um, that's <laughs> it was it, right? leading. So- <laughs> you led me right there. <laughs> so as, uh, I mean, there are a few, and this is the thing I, I kind of, you know, I, I stack these up as it were, I, I find them and think, Oh, why do I tell that one? And, and, and any, any one of them almost points to a more direct focus of who I was, but to think about being a performer all my life. And then, I shifted and kind and started volunteering in, I was 17 years old and volunteering in my church youth group mm-hmm. and working with middle schoolers. And I'm this high school kid who like doesn't know who he is, but gets to hang out with younger teens and just like party and just be silly. And it was fantastic. And then 
the youth pastor would get up and every, and speak every week. And his name was Dave and, and Dave, um, one week, all the kids leave and he comes up to me and puts his hand on my shoulder. He's like, Alex, do you want to speak next week? And honestly, like, I don't know, next week, like, did he have tickets for a Jays game or something? Like, what, <laughs> what is he like shirking this responsibility? Uh, but pushing that aside before I had a moment to like allow those teenage doubts and all those other narratives to, to run in my head, I said, yeah. And, mm. and then I said, now, how do I do that? And he gave me a book and he coached me a little bit through it. And then I got up the next Wednesday night and I spoke and I shared about the Bible and how God loves you and you know, your role in this. And it was terrible. Like, just garbage, ripped it apart. I, like it was, I was all over the map, telling stories that didn't make sense, losing my place. Literally, Marsha, there was an adult leader. This guy was like 45 years old, sitting in the back row, and he actually was snoring. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. Oh, I'm just picturing the 17-year-old who's up there like having the courage right? to say yes. Yes, but we my know storytelling is an art, but still, <laughs> like you, I mean, that that's a lot of courage a lot of 17-year-olds wouldn't have, period. Right, but here's the key. So then I get up and do that, and right, that's a key moment where you can think, wow, that's got to deflate him completely. And I got off the stage, and, and everybody left, and before I, I had the chance to then reinforce all those narratives saying, like, you're not a good speaker, why are you doing this, who are you, you showed up, you're an idiot, Dave came up to me and he said, Hey, that was rough. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do it again? Mm. And I said, And you said, Yes, yes. And from then on, that's it. Like I've been hooked. That's it. Get me on stage, put me, put a microphone in my hand. Let me be who I am. Let me be in control of the crowd. Let me Mm -hmm. um, be in control of the moment. Let me create the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then beyond that, so I did that for about eight years. And this is going to bring up this next major what happened point that has shifted me into who I am now. Um, so my mom was the everything for me. She was the mentor of my life. She was the, I got to act on stage with her actually for, uh, in a show when I was, uh, 20, uh, living this, like, I'm going to be an actor life. And I got to be on stage with her, share the stage with her. And then, uh, 28 years old. So eight years ago for me, um, she got sick really fast. She had stage four stomach cancer, mm. went in the hospital five weeks. She didn't oh. come home. That was it. So, so in those conversations, for those that have experienced something like that, the conversations are different Mm -hmm. in those moments Mm -hmm. when you, when you kind of, when you, I guess, accept the reality, you see what's where this is going. You start talking about different things than, Mm -hmm. you know, what did you have for dinner last night or what's going on? It's the things that don't matter anymore. Yeah. And, and I remember asking her, it was, it was actually a couple of days before, um, she went to the ICU kind of for her final weekend. Um, and I asked her, what did you like about being an entertainer? Like what, what drove you? And I'm just like, you know, we're just <laughs> shooting the breeze back and forth. And I'm like, what'd you like about it? And she looked at me and she had big brown eyes and uh, man, and like big Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> so they were like <laughs> magnified. I just, I'll never forget that. Anyway, she looked at me and just, um, and she said, it was the ability to give the gift of entertainment. And I was like, what? And she said, well, I could, I could act and they could laugh or they could feel moved. But then the, to the thought that they would take that out of the theater, mm-hmm. that's why I did it. Because this, oh, this wow. moment could change their 
life and mm-hmm. then change their story. Mm-hmm. And she's like, like these are like she's doing friggin' like British farces on stage. Like this is, I mean, sometimes she would, she would absolutely she did like she did Shirley Valentine, one woman show that was the the highest piece of acting I've ever seen um, from anybody, and and she would rock the absolute audience but then they leave and they take that and Mm -hmm. so that's helped me now think of what i do with people is help you create a moment that Mm -hmm. forms a story in your audience Mm -hmm. that changes the world you can't change you're not going to necessarily change the world any more than the people that you're connected with but if you connect with them then they take that story out that brought meaning to the thing that i started doing 10 years before. Oh, and that, and it has to change you so much on like such a deep cellular level that you go into your, your life's purpose, your life's mission and what you're here to do with such more, so much more fuel to do. Yeah. To show up. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. I'm sorry about, I mean, honestly, (laughs) but I mean, what a legacy she is leaving. Because she yeah. left, that she made that impact on you, which is like literally what she wanted to do, anyways. But she, she's, she's done that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. See, yeah, that's, the, that's just the, like those are the moments that are there. So you, how long were you a youth pastor for? Yeah, so it was like all told, I was there for fifteen years. Okay. sometimes intern and and mm-hmm. then full time youth pastor. But I was up until about five or six years ago. Okay, five or six years that. ago. But it was it was you know those main like I got married and then got into this this role. It was the it was the church that like my wife grew up in. I started mm-hmm. going there when I was sixteen, but like mm-hmm. that, it was the only place that I knew. So this was the only role that I knew. And then um, trying to figure out who I am and where do I belong, what impact am I going to make? Mm-hmm. You know those those years throughout your twenties. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I don't even know if I was thinking that at 20, but that's just, it's just such a, like, it's just, it's just such a time. Um, what were some of the, if you could even, I would love to know what did it teach you to work with youth in that, in that time? Like maybe what some of the one or two things that it taught you that you now use in your yeah. own. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, there was something pretty early on where I realized, um, I, I was different mm-hmm. Be, because I was showing up with them, uh, for these kids, the like 11 years old to like 11 to 13 was my sweet spot, like middle school, junior high. Like those oh, are the kids that beautiful. I would, I could hang out with all day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I realized that I was it was like I was running into the fire when everybody was running out and that fueled me. And that is, it was the, I, what I was seeing, what I was hearing, the conversations that I was having with these people, it was like nobody else was listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't deep stuff. It was just there's them saying, you know, we put on a talent show and a kid gets up and does a Rubik's cube in a minute and a half. And we cheer him on. Like he just won the, the, mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. And then it was the moments of, of having those th- seeing in these young teens, something that is absolutely real mm-hmm. and then igniting that in them was 
the most joyful. That's why I did it for so long because you see that moment, you get to call something out in them. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that this is the privilege that we have as adults. Um, and if you have a young teen in your home, like these are the moments that you get, you get to call out who they are. You get to pull mm-hmm. out who they are when so much of the world was telling them who, to, who not to be or I, what was annoying about them. I think you, I think you nailed that right there in that age bracket. They're trying to figure out where they fit in. Mm-hmm. What do they like? Who do they connect with? And who am I? Where do I belong? What's my impact? That's yeah. It. And, and, you know, it's as sometimes with parents, it's that, you know, you're not um, calling out some of the things that they are doing right now. Yeah. They don't yeah. know where to fit in with their with other peers. They don't. So how, I think it's great that they had a space there where they could be celebrated, fit in yeah. and just connect. I remember we, we had a, a, like a end of year ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, if there was like, you know, 60 kids showing up every week kind of in the group or something like that, then there's, you know, let's say 20 of them were in grade eight and then they're, they're graduating, they're going into high school. We've been a, a community for them. And we had had this big grad ceremony, grad banquet, and the mm-hmm. parents were invited a mm-hmm. big do. We'd get the parents to bring food as a potluck because they have no budget. So, uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of meatballs and lasagna <laughs> and we're sitting around, but the key was we would, we would get each of the leaders, like the adult leaders that, that hung out with the kids throughout the year. Um, they would have this like award ceremony and you know, what? like grade eight grads, there's the history award and the math award. And it goes to the smartest kid who runs the table and mm-hmm. just, I don't know, put way too much time into this. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we, we would do this, this award ceremony where we'd call up a kid and be like, this kid uh, gets the, um, you know, Miss Congeniality Award because her smile lit up the room and something changed when she entered. Or this kid gets the, the Silent Leader Award uh, mm-hmm. because when they were around a circle, there was somebody always speaking louder than them, but people would follow where, where Tim went, mm-hmm. you know? And then we, and then we call him up and give him an award. And the awards were always something like I'm holding a, a Chewbacca bobblehead on my, it was that. something like this. <laughs> yes. And we just write their name on the bottom and spray paint it gold and hand it to them. And it was this amazingly personal moment mm-hmm. where we had parents coming up to us saying like, this is so much more meaningful than like the school graduation. Yeah. I can't believe that you saw my, you saw that in my kid. And like, we see them for what, an hour and a half every week, maybe. And to call that out, um, there's people that have come up to me 15 years later to say, I still have my award. Oh, I, I still have my, I have the transformer award, wow. which is a little transformer on a thing because we said how they transform other people's lives. Yeah. She's like, I still have my, like, those are the things that's, so you asked, you know, what did I see in kids? And I think that's it, it was just the opportunity to, to see, mm-hmm. to see them and, mm-hmm. and to call that out. That was that's why we would do all the crazy, you know, jello, jello wars nights and food fights or anything that we did that was just nuts. Um, it was all for the opportunity to call out what was actually real within someone. That's, um, that is, I, I've, I've seen you in calls and I've had a, the pleasure of being in on calls with you and the fact that I think you do call out what other people like what they can bring to something, what they, you see something in them that maybe they don't see it in themselves yet. And that's when you can look back at it, you're like, that's been what I've been doing for years. Like, it's just what you've been doing for years. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's yeah. uh, I received that. Thank yeah. you. That's, You're welcome. That's encouraging. You're welcome. You're welcome. So when it comes down to us sharing our stories and being authentic, what do you think are like, let's just picture that you've got somebody listening to you right now and going, Oh my God, I know exactly how he's talking. I can, I feel like he can see me, but Oh my God, I have no idea how to show up and be seen. What, yeah. what would you give somebody for a few pieces of advice who maybe feels like they're supposed to be in their story and do something with their story, but they don't have a clue how yeah. to even allow that to happen. Yeah. I mean, write it out, talk it out. I have specific, you know, formulas or strategies and that sort of stuff. Like, again, just that, that, what I said earlier, about who I, people find themselves in who you are and, or in who you were and aspire to be who you are. Uh, To me, that's part of a, an arc, a story, a transformational story arc, I Mm -hmm. call it. And, Mm -hmm. and this has been super helpful um, for me and, and for a lot of people that I've worked with to just picture it in this way, because we complicate our stories. We complicate storytelling mm-hmm. and the most successful movies out there brought this thing that had been complicated and simplified it so clearly to mm-hmm. make it very clear that, okay, here's the problem. Here's what they need to do to win. Here's the end result. And the more into the more easily we can see that, mm-hmm. uh, then we connect with what's going on. We connect with the story that much deeper and we see ourselves in it. So for you listening, who's trying to figure out, I know I need to show up. I know I've got something to say. Mm -hmm. I know my story can impact people, but I don't know how to pull it out. I don't know where it is. I don't know what the, it's so big. Mm -hmm. How do I tell the bigness of my story? Um, That's a whole conversation we can have about about arcs and series. I I talk about TV shows being like a, there's a big series arc, like six seasons. Mm -hmm. And then there's each season has a story to, has an arc to it. And then each episode has an arc to it. And you're not telling your big series arc because you're caught up in the episodes. Yeah. And when we first do the work of figuring out what's the big transformation that you've gone through in your life, then all of those little stories become clear because they're all part of that same transformation, yeah, which is just what I'm doing. Right. So me telling the story about Dave or my mom, or I could tell you a number of other ones that are all actually about me moving from powerless to confident, powerless performer to confident communicator. Mm-hmm. And they're all following that same uh, track, that same transformation. I mean, that's what I did. Right. So I can use my uh, meet me with Dave or my mom, or there's a number of other episodes that I could tell you, but they all focus on this great big overarching uh, arc. My big story arc is from powerless performer to confident communicator. That's who I was, a powerless performer for many years. And now here I stand as a confident communicator. That transformation is the big thing. And once I understand that, now I can dive in and find any given moment along the way and sit and, and tell the story and tell you how that was a that was a, an example of m- me going through that transformation. So mm-hmm. for you listening, trying to find, um, you know, I know I have something to say. I know I have a story. Um, but how do I how do I get it out there? How do I find it within the bigness? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the the if you can break it down to look at. Who was I 
So there's a thing that I want to do right now. I want to help coach people. I want to help, you know, people live their best life. Okay. Why do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. Where did that Mm -hmm. desire begin? Mm -hmm. Like as a kid, go Mm -hmm. back there. When do you see yourself helping someone for the first time? When do you see yourself putting your arm around someone as they're, Mm -hmm. as they're crying? What happened there? And then pull those moments out. Mm -hmm. And Marsha, this is where you and I, right? Talk about the moments, 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 moments. not just themes, but moments. No. Um, because moments are magical moments lead to memories. Um, and so when you pull out those moments of who you were, Mm -hmm. then I would just say, okay, so then what happened to make you who you are Mm -hmm. and then start writing about that. Okay. And well, there's lots of those moments. Okay. So the moment, moment, moment uh, in, in that, what happened category right in the middle there. And then tell us about who you are. Mm-hmm. And how you believe right now and how it's different than what you were. Mm-hmm. And then you can see this very clear line going across from powerless mm-hmm. to confident. Confident. What happened in between? I mean, let's let's pinpoint it on my mom, the conversation mm-hmm. with my mom. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how that couldn't have been a very pivotal conversation right. in your life, right? Like, of, of course it is. So what you are saying is anyone could become a storyteller. If they can learn how to, t- I, I know, I just want, I just want people to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say it again. <laughs> yeah. Say it again. Right. Say it again. I, I just, I think there's so much power in our stories. And when you talk about those moments, I was on a podcast last week and it was, a, it was always interesting because it's somebody who I'd never had a conversation with and they said, do, so you like to, to dive into shame stories and where you hold, like where people hold onto shame stories and mm-hmm. teach them how to move through it. And I said, yes, I do. And he goes, what was your first shame story? And I was like, oh, that was interesting. They didn't see it going that way. <laughs> and it's like those moments, right? So we understanding that our stories, like they go back just years and understanding where some of those first moments were is really the power in where that story and the, where it started and what role it's had in our life. And this is this is where people get hung up. I'm I'm finding is we we tell a lot, we talk a lot about who we are, mm-hmm. and and we think that that's a story. Or at best, we go back to the what happened moment. And so for me, that would be like, uh, yeah. So I'm a confident community. I wasn't always this way though. My mom passed away about eight years ago, and in that conversation, I well, even still, that as captivating as that might be, and I can tell that in a captivating way it still doesn't give you a picture of who I was before that. The mm-hmm. fact that at two, I, in second grade, I was on the stage and I followed her and I, I live, and my dream was to win an Oscar by the time I was 21. Like this is, this was my path. This was my journey. And I found the stage, any opportunity I could get. Then mm-hmm. my mom is in the hospital and we have this conversation. How much more weight does that give to the whole thing? As then I carry that through and say, now do you understand why I do what I do? Yeah, it's powerful. So that's that's the piece that people, again, we get we get hung up because we think, I, I don't understand what my story is, but you're not looking back to where the story actually exists, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. uh, oh, way back. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's interesting. So when you can look back at all the things that have happened in your life, it has shaped you to who you are, how you show up, who you impact and what you are doing. Yeah. What you are doing. So moving forward, what do you see yourself doing? What do you see yourself? um, 
creating or the impact I'm jumping ahead, but what is the impact that you want to create in this world? Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, I have a, I want to see a million stories get told. I want to help Mm -hmm. a million stories get told. I don't even know how that's possible, how to measure that, but one by one, as I coach people, then I know that that's one. And then I can just imagine, you know, if they go on a stage some point and talk to a thousand people, well, then guess what? They're creating a moment that's going to form a story that changes. the So Mm-hmm. Um, a million really is too small. <laughs> I, it's, when you, it's funny when you break it down, it's like, it's, it seems massive. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like, oh no, it's not actually, because mm-hmm. when you can help someone else to show up as authentically as like themselves, you now give the people that they come in contact with permission to do the same. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Come on. Right. That's, like we are just so, we are so. And I think that this is a a time and space where a lot of businesses have had to go online. And uh, I mean, you've said it, I've said it, but this Mm -hmm. point in time, anybody can build something online. You absolutely can. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to connect to who you are, then you're just white noise because you can't sound like everyone else. Nobody listens, right? Nobody listens. Well, that's it. And People jumped to on. People were already online. People were already starting oh, yeah. business. I'm not going to pretend that I was a pioneer in this by any means, but no. you're seeing it happen more and more. You're seeing a shift, a focus, a different kind of a focus, yeah. um, where that's happening. And and you're absolutely right. Is is the only way to truly stand out is to share your story. It's the only thing that's unique and authentic to you. You you can talk about your services, but there's 40 other people who have the exact same fitness program that you have slightly tweaked. So the only thing that's going to separate you for people, not for the sake of just standing out, but again, for the purpose of people finding you and working with you Mm -hmm. is your story that guess what? They're going to connect with on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they can connect with you, they're going to trust you and stick with you because they know what you've been through and they know the transformation that you can take them on. So you're absolutely right on that. And that's where I see, I mean, you're at, what's my impact in the future? You know, there's that number to it. Uh, there's a dream of like, you know, how do I kind of go back to those roots of being a youth worker and, and empower more uh, teenagers to specifically use their voice? Um, I, to- there's something, I just got goosebumps when you said that. I just want you to know that I just got goosebumps. I'm like, there's something beautiful packed yeah. up in that somewhere. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. I think that they are, that's not even, um, I'm past that stage and I know you're in that stage, mm-hmm. but I just know, and I remember that stage very vividly in the sense that, um, you know, obviously they always have to be willing to hear the message we can't, we don't cram things down people's throat. It's not how it works, but mm-hmm. creating that space for, for teens to be able to, yeah really find a way to express themselves, I think is absolutely beautiful. Which is fascinating because like to say on any degree, uh, teens aren't expressing themselves today would be ridiculous. (laughs) If you just look at the internet, (laughs) Yeah, they're leading the way on expressing themselves. Yes. The, the, the purpose, I think that I would, that's, that's the question is to what end and, and to what degree are you using the voice? That's the thing they're they're, They have no problem amazingly, mm-hmm. um, expressing their voice, many of them, um, it's to what purpose and, and how are you, what is the power behind that voice? Is that really coming out? And that's, I think that's the passion behind this, right. Just coming back to those junior high days of like, 
are you actually doing the thing that that like you're here to do? Mm-hmm. Or are you doing the thing that you think you should do to win an online popularity contest? B. Uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of them it's a lot of them it's B. I to generalize right. like a lot is and it's because it's, you know, a lot of us don't, I mean, still, we're, we, we don't just have confidence, you build it. And so in order to, to give them a space to build, yeah, a lot of them have no problem using their voice, not always used for good. As I'd say about a lot of adults online, like I see, yep. we see all kinds of stuff online. So I just think it's, I think it's an interesting space. I think it's a beautiful space and it's a beautiful impact that you are definitely making and can be in a space to continue to make. I love it. I think about confidence and I think about the people that have uh, believed in me. Mm-hmm. As you say, they, yeah, I, it, confidence isn't, it doesn't come naturally. It's created and confidence is created by somebody who believes in you, somebody who gives you boldness mm-hmm. and somebody who helps you bounce back after you fail. And I think that those are the things that, that we're looking for. And that those are the things that teenagers are looking for is, is somebody going to believe in me? Mm-hmm. Um, if so, Will they be there when I'm bold enough to speak out or mm-hmm. to speak up? Mm-hmm. And then when that inevitably fails to some degree, will they be able to help me bounce back? And mm-hmm. I don't Those know. Are, yeah, I love, I love everything that you just said there. And I think it's really, really powerful. I really do. You have a lot of things going on and you've got some new things coming out in the new year. Like you were, yeah, yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, so good. So I've got my main thing is one-on-one coaching with people and it's just sitting across, you know, on a Zoom call like this and diving right into story, turning that into a clear message and then talking about how do we actually perform to connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's you know, obviously just a one-on-one, but I love the group program idea, which is my Fearless Speakers Academy. Um and we've we've run this a couple times, launching it again in the new year. Uh and this really focuses on, you know, why aren't you showing up? You know you have something to say, but you're not showing up. Let's talk about why. And we focus on the five main fears that are keeping you uh, from showing up. And and as a group, we identify them, we crush them, mm-hmm. and and we crush them by taking action. So, so that's how that program is designed. It's a six week course, and it's live coaching with me every week, and uh, awesome. and then we lots of accountability to make that stuff happen. That's awesome. I love the group aspect. I know, you know, I've chatted about that before. I think there's a lot of power in group Mm -hmm. format just because people can see themselves in other people and realize like, oh, wait, you've, you've been afraid too. Like, what do you mean? You've been afraid. It's it. We all have, let's just call that it's, we all have, but we choose what we feed. So well, and and part of the process for me of like hosting that group is letting them know just how terrifying it is to put a program like this together and launch it and say, Hey, I hope people join because if you don't, I'm going to feel like garbage. And now I like that <laughs> moment, the hours that I've spent waiting to hit like post and send and publish on those launching posts. Mm-hmm. If you only, if you mm-hmm. only knew that's it's in, and I love that you said that I've had clients say to me, what do I do if only one person joins? And I'm like, then you celebrate the hell out of that one person and you build, like you show up for them as if they're 10 and I, I, it's, it's happened. And they're like, but that didn't happen to you. And I'm like, um, I've launched a crickets. Like we, it's all happened to all of us. <laughs> it's, it's, yep. it, it has all happened to all of us. And then when you deal with storytelling, I can also say that all of a sudden 
I will get a random message from a person saying, I've been following you for the last year. Could I set up a time to call and connect? When you talk about vulnerable things, it's not really that the people are necessarily your biggest cheerleaders online, that they're watching. And that means that it's so important to continue to show up no matter what. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just want to share that because I just, I knew you would understand that. Uh Yep. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So the best places to connect with you are where? Yeah. I, I hang out on Instagram for sure. That's, that's, if you're going to message me, um, I love DMS on Instagram. Uh, I'm at street says, and then for all my info, my home is alexstreet.ca. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'll make sure everything yeah. is in your show notes for you. Um, and for everywhere, for everyone to find you. I have one more question that I want to ask you, and I just want you to share with everyone what lesson in life you're most grateful for. (sighs) (laughs) I love the pause. You don't know how many episodes there's a big pause. People are like, oh, okay, this Mm -hmm. is, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it's the most grateful for. And now I'm actually like, I'm measuring them all against each other. Right. I'm like, Oh, which one do I want to, I, I mean, I gotta Got go to that moment. Like it's, 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 it was a, a devastating moment. It was the first grief that I'd felt. It was like, it was when my mom passed mm-hmm. and I, I saw she was magical. She was untouchable. She was, um, I, she was joy. Uh, there's so much attached to that. And, and I think what I, there's so many things that I did, um, receive from that. Mm -hmm. The one that I told you earlier was just one of those is Mm -hmm. we get to actually give people a gift. Um, and I think just even in that, that's the same thing that she gave to me was Mm -hmm. this gift, not just to perform, not just to entertain, not just to help, but the gift of actually changing an environment, mm-hmm. changing the atmosphere where you go, um, that, that just how needed that is in this world where so I can much. sometimes take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I can take for that. I can walk into a room and, and bring people joy or enthusiasm or whatever that is that I can bring. And I'm learning to actually embrace who I am. And this is message for everybody embrace who you are mm-hmm. and see that we need what you have. And so if it took, that moment and you know the worst of my life to to receive that uh, it, it came in loud and clear well thank you for sharing that with us and i can say i know that a number of people go their entire life and don't have that moment where they realize that they have something here to give here to share want to make an impact or receive uh-huh. that kind of of lesson so you did learn it. She did teach it to you and you are definitely living by example. I'm sure she'd be incredibly proud. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank Thank you you so much for sharing so much of yourself with us, the power of storytelling, the nuggets, the lessons that you've learned. And I know that you have even just in this episode alone, given people the permission to show up as themselves so that they can continue to make an impact with others too. Wow. It's good. It's been uh, it's been a real joy. Fantastic questions. Thank you for leading us through this because we can go all over the place. And so you kept this really tight and guided. And I, I'm really thankful for your ability as a host to, um, to carry this conversation forward, Marcia. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.